recording now. We're yeah. recording. Ignore everything that just happened. <laughs> they, 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 could, they didn't hear what just happened. I know. And hopefully Caleb cuts it out. Caleb cut all the other stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably cut this on the recording too. No, no, no. We're going to keep this. This is all right. We, we're happy. So yeah, let's let's be happy until we start talking about this stuff. Um, because we're still in chapter three and we're going to probably have to do one more episode after today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those of you who are watching the video, you'll see us change outfits because we're only going to record one more today probably. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> because chapter three has a lot. Um, a lot. Um, so what do you guys want to talk about next in chapter three? Do you want to talk about the religion stuff? Do you want to talk about the three people at the end of the chapter who are upstanding black men? Oh, what if we talk about like that, what if we talk about First Baptist Church? We talk about Virginia Street, Second Baptist, Edgewood, I mean where we are today. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so in the book ninety seven, title, religion. And this yeah. came up this morning because we had the pastor of First Baptist joined us. Yeah. Um, because Richard's always inviting more people to hang out with us. I like people. <laughs> and we're just as quickly running them off. Yes, we are. We're doing good. As <laughs> soon we're as we keep trying, get Richard. <laughs> <laughs> but, but so, like, and he actually was able to confirm quite a bit of this, interestingly enough, yeah, this morning yeah, yeah. on the history of, of First Baptist and Virginia Street. So, anybody who's not from Hopkinsville, um, here in, in Christian County, we have First Baptist, and it's that because it's the First Baptist Church. Um, right. It is the Southern Baptist denomination, which uh, Brandon and I, we serve in the Southern Baptist Convention Church as well. There's a lot of Southern Baptist churches mm-hmm. here in, in Christian County. How many of them are there? I think there? there's like 46. That's way too many. Wow. But I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of us. And there's <laughs> very few that are not. <laughs> yes. But um, they were, so Southern Baptist and the history of the Southern Baptist Church. Here, we'll make the white guy say it. So tell us. How yeah. did that get started? Yeah, Absolutely. Southern Baptist. So, so <laughs> historically, you had a Baptist general convention, you know, so to speak, of the churches in the U.S. Well, it came before them. That it was primarily Baptist love missions. Like mm-hmm. that's just that is our reason for existing, and we've always been a missionary people. And the Baptist convention had essentially a missionary candidate who came forward and was proposed for candidacy. And uh, he was a slaveholder. Yeah. And churches said, no, we're not sending a slaveholder as a missionary. And the Southern churches said, well, we should. Yeah. What's wrong with that? You know, if it's legal in our country, why can't we send him as a missionary? And so they broke away from the Northern churches on the issue of the ability to send slaveholding missionaries. Yeah. He's got a phone call. Wait, okay, so as you said that, I was just thinking, what if... At Edgewood, where we pastor, mm-hmm. somebody came up and said, I want to send this person off to be a missionary. And then somebody said, they're a drug dealer. Right. You're like, you're like, you're like oh, but well, what kind of drugs? Oh, um, they sell CBD gummies. Okay, well, that's legal. That's legal. Should we send him as a missionary? I mean, that's kind well, of, that's kind of, I'm not, I got I'm another, not saying it's oh, exactly yeah. the same. I got another kind of example. Idea, let's right? say that the Southern Baptist, let's say that Nevada was in the South and prostitution is legal. Oh, even better. Yeah, we go. That's okay, even better Okay, so yes. can we send a missionary to another nation because he participates in prostitution with, or he, he participates in getting prostitutes, but it's legal here. Can we send Cat Williams to be our missionary? Can we do that? What's wrong <laughs> with that when it's legal? Right. Yeah. Right? So that's We the, see the problem. That's the question. We all and see so, the problem, right? So you're saying that the Southerners in the Baptist world said, if you won't allow us to do this, because we have so many of these who fit that same category, correct? then we have to separate. We have to separate. And so the Southern Baptist Convention began out of a desire to send slaveholding missionaries. And, and the Southern Baptist Convention you know, has repented of that. Yeah. And they have, they have acknowledged, hey, 
not the best way to start. Yeah. You know, we, we talked about church planting, you yeah. know, like, so is it a church plant or is it a church plant? You know, like it came out of a church split or yes, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, and I would, I would say the Southern Baptist Convention has absolutely said that was wrong. That was yes. wrong. But they never we really... should not have started that way. But they never really... They didn't... Did they reconcile with the part that they broke apart from? No, no. because in large part, the part they broke away from has since walked away from the historic faith. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't really sure. exist anymore, the Triennial okay. Convention, but, but there, was a, there was a pretty significant departure from orthodoxy within gotcha. kind of that circle. Yeah. Gotcha. And so not, that, in, not entirely. I mean, that's broad brush over sure. a very complex history. But, wow. Yeah. But so that ties in with the immediate history here. So First Baptist, Southern yep. Baptist Convention. Southern Baptist. And they, in 1850, plant Virginia Street. Baptist yes. Church, which an is all black church, which is an all black church, which is that is our is that the oldest? I think that is the oldest. It is black church mm-hmm. here in town, which yeah. is still in existence. Did uh, it start as an all black church, or did they just plant well, a church that's, and became? They, I mean, so it says Hopkinsville's oldest black congregation, the Virginia Street Baptist Church, began in association with the white New Providence Baptist Church in 1850. The white congregation merged in 1818, later becoming the First Baptist Church. So, so it was a it was a multi ethnic church at one point. No. No, it says well, began ha- in association ha- with white New Providence. I, I guess church. okay, I guess technically you could call it multi ethnic, but what was it that uh that uh was it Todd is his name, right? No, uh, I'm name. He said he said that, that was it their second Sunday, they grew by twenty seven members. And they were slaves. Twenty five of them twenty five of them were slaves? Yes. So if you define multi ethnic as two <laughs> as being you have white people and black people, even though at the time the black people were not considered to be humans by the government, yeah. then sure, multi-ethnic. But remember, that was still under the wonderful three-fifths compromise when they oh, weren't yeah. technically people. So would you really call that multi-ethnic if you have non-people in your congregation? And here's a question. It was started in 1850, so technically they were slaves or a few freemen. Yeah. Did they have the right to make decisions in this new there's a guy we know. Two if we, guys. If we hadn't ran him off, maybe he'd hang out with us some more. We know right. two guys. <laughs> we know two people. Uh, but I think that's essentially what Glazier's saying here is that uh, the Virginia Street Baptist Church began in association in that from its beginning in 1818, they would admit, as it says, black participants in a segregated gallery from the beginning. But in, I think it, what he's saying is in 1850, they permitted the freedmen to begin meeting in the basement of the church okay. as a separate congregation. So in 1850, gotcha. you have the establishment of what would become Virginia Street Baptist Church, because yeah, gotcha. they began meeting on, in their own place, mm-hmm. or in their own space, rather, uh, even though it was still in association with yeah. right. First Baptist Church. Right. Wow. Which we still see to, to this day, this idea of this segregation. I mean, here, Hopkinsville, we have it. It's nationwide of this yeah. separation, black and white and right. Hispanic churches. Yeah, the, um, most, the most segregated hour is o'clock. Sunday morning, 11 o'clock. Yeah. So would you say, so say there's 46, 47 Southern Baptist churches in our community. Yeah. Let's just say, so would you say maybe 100 churches total? I'd say that's got to be a fairly accurate what, number. What, I mean, based on, on your thoughts... What percentage of the churches in our community would you say are homogenous, meaning that a multi-ethnic church consists of no more than uh, 80% of one dominant race? How many are homogenous or how many how are many, multi-ethnic? How many ethnic? are, or, well, I guess you're going to answer one. Either way, answer yeah. The other. yeah. Um, hmm. I'd say 
probably a good 90 of the 100 are homogenous. You think it's that you think it's not higher than that? Mm, but as far as homogenous? Well, cuz you got listen, Catholic Church. One. There you go. <laughs> One. And then I, I like figure that, Richard. <laughs> I figure that at, that given that and the fact that I don't know all the other churches, true. I can give them nine more as leeway. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't I don't I don't know. I, I don't disagree. I was thinking I was thinking nine out of ten. Yeah. yeah. And okay. so I'm I'm kind of with him. If you, it might be higher though. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm figuring like, you know I'll give nine churches leeway because I'm sure yeah. them I feel like there gotta be at least nine where because okay, remember, so when I was at uh at Dogwood, we qualified. Because Dogwood was so small gotcha. that my family, family alone made up made yeah. it multi ethnic. Exactly. So um, and so, so and when you have a threshold of when you, you know can, fifty or more, if, if you've got because yeah. you have so many churches that are 25, 30 gathering regularly, yeah. if you've got thirty gathering That's and right. ten are of a different color, yeah, you meet the threshold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and I bring that up because of the demographics of our community. Yeah. So right. you know to rehash the demographics of our community is about thirty percent African American. No, it's more than that. It's almost forty. Uh, we're we're like. 34, 35 minimum. You think so? Yeah. The last, so? the, was it 2020 census data? You saw that one? I okay. used it in my classroom because, you know. Well, well then, I, yeah. You are <laughs> I, want, I wanted to show them stuff about college and going to college yeah. and stuff like that. So one of the most diverse <laughs> communities in yeah. our, but yet still the church population still seems like it's no more diverse than the whitest community in our, in our state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not much has changed just because proximity is not a solution. Yeah. Which is why we're doing this. And why it's worth asking the question, like, oh, man, that's a really messed up way to say it. I'm going to say it anyways. What's wrong with us? <laughs> as a church? Yeah. As, 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 as church people, as pastors, as Christians, like, what's wrong with us? Like, because we're saying truth. Like, we are so segregated. What's wrong with us? Well, let me, let me ask a question for the sake of argument, uh-huh. uh, just because you and I both love argument. <laughs> and, and that is this. Is the Bible opposed to segregation? Church segregation. Yeah, is the Bible opposed to it? Yes. Ooh, this is a this is a setup. He I set you up. Yes. He set you up. He's going to go to the Old care. Testament now and talk about. Well, I'm talking about talk new, about the temple. I'm, I'm talking about. Setup. I'm talking about New I'm Testament not. church. I mean, New Testament, <laughs> new Testament church, church. is okay. is segregation. Yeah. Biblically defensible. I'm just going to get. I don't think so. I'm going to give you just this one verse that jumps out with me. Matthew chapter 28 verse 19. Go into last words. Go in one of the famous last words. Go into all the world and make disciples. Yes. Right. All nations. All nations. All nations make disciples. He didn't say just these group of people go to that nation. And we see from that his intent, I think we can read based on the response of the early disciples, which was to go into the known world regardless of their own ethnicity and to go into other ethnicities and to make disciples. So I think that based on his statement and based on the response of that statement, I think that the implicit um, understanding was that you should not be homogenous in your pursuit of making disciples. All right. I'm going to disagree with you and do it in a way that's going to probably make even more people mad at me. Okay. Can't help myself today, I guess. All right. I'm going to say that there is space for segregation in the church. And I will use it coming from the point of view of at least a substantial amount of black Christians and why they would never feel comfortable outside of a black church experience. And 
the basic idea would be it's kind of like um, when I was in when I was in Russellville, I did a, a, a Spanish language study the Book of Romans. See, and and some of these guys. Um, struggled with what we were learning because they said what they saw on the farms as farmhands was not at all what they were reading in the Bible. And they were saying, do these guys who say they're Christians, does it say the same thing in English that it says in Spanish? And I mm. said, yes, it does. Mm. And they would say, well, then why aren't they living it? Mm. So one could say that there is grounds to have a segregated church, especially from the point of view of, my, of a persecuted minority that says, I can't go to church with that white guy over there because they're not Christian. When I look at their life, when I look at how they're living, when I look at how they are raping our women and mm -hmm. selling off our children, how they're beating us yeah. to death and starving us, I do not see any Christ in them. So I must be segregated from them because that is not a congregation of God. Uh, well, then I think that's the problem. You're saying that's not really the church. Well, yeah, but right. that still would result in a segregated church. You're Baptist. I knew it. You believe in a visible church. <laughs> Can I get a card? <laughs> But I mean, I mean, just that's something that people say, and I don't, I don't hold to that personally. But I can, I recognize that there are a lot of people of color who struggle with the idea of white Christians. I mean, and that's something. Um, I, mm -hmm. So my son uh, Manazi, he's he's in Texas right now, and, and he sent me a text saying how he said he went to a rodeo, um, and I was like, oh, I'm so proud of you, son. When I lived in Texas, I was never brave enough to go to rodeo. <laughs> like and that's true story and and I look at that and I'm like and like and I told him I said I'm proud of you because you're doing the things that I never could do and people are like why are you scared because as a black man in Texas early 2000s what late 90s is when James Bird was dragged to death not okay. too far mm -hmm. in fact I have a friend who's from Jasper Texas yeah, like yeah, yeah. I've, I've actually driven across the bridge they dragged him to death on like that that's happened well, that's and so dramatic. so my yeah. thing is yeah. that that at the time, I was so afraid of what mm. could happen, even though I had black friends from Texas saying, Kamar, you're safe. Kamar, you're fine. Mm -hmm. The fear in me of, but what might they do to me? That's what they told him. Kept, kept me from going. Right. So I was held back by fear. And so I recognized that there were a lot of people who struggle with that saying, when I look at the history and the things, I, I don't know that I can see you as being that. I don't think that's right. I don't think I was you're right. You're not espousing that view. You're no. saying, I can understand how I can, somebody exactly, could hold I can that. Exactly. And that's like, I, was, I can say now, I was wrong to not go to the rodeo. I should have gone. Right. But I let fear keep me from it. Yeah. Um, and so I can see how someone can say, well, that's not a real church, though. That's not a real church. I'm going to go here where I know people actually do love Jesus. Because when I look at them, they sing the songs, they pay their tithes, they go on missions. But do you see how they talk? Do you see how they live? Do you see how they act? Um, and that could result in a segregated church. Hmm. And, and so... That's so, that's where that's where my my, my cabinet. So I'm gonna go I'm gonna go back to my devil's advocate question, uh -huh. uh, and and say yes. And I hear where you're coming from. To me, the key is the Lord's prayer. Hmm. The Lord's prayer. We we all know it. We don't have to quote it. We don't have to do yeah. that right now. But I mean, your will be done yeah. on earth as it is in heaven. And when we get that glimpse into heaven, yeah, what do we see? Pantomime and stuff. <laughs> what do we see, Richard? I see every tribe, every nation, yes. and every tongue. Yeah. And if our prayer is, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then that means my responsibility right. as the prayer of that prayer yeah. mm -hmm. is to say, that's what I want. I want to see that multi-ethnic, multicultural, yeah. multilingual reality happening right here. You have no idea how many off times on Sunday I'm actually singing in Spanish instead of English. <laughs> You're right. I do have no idea. <laughs> I did it again on Wednesday, too. So it sounds I love like it. <laughs> the consensus is around, around us is that, yes, the church should be multi-ethnic. Yeah. Yes. But here's the next follow-up question, then, is 
who should carry the burden of that? We yes. make disciples. Jesus builds the church. <laughs> no, what I mean by that is like, because this is something else that our scholarship has been done on, and it's not necessarily this book. This is we're off yeah. in the woods a little bit. Um, but is the, should it be the responsibility for minorities to join white churches oh. or for white individuals to join minority churches yes. to achieve the multi-ethnic? How about we, and, I, and I say that only because when you see yeah. how it's happening, how multi-ethnic happens, it tends yes. to be minorities joining with majority white congregations to achieve the multi-ethnic, and you very rarely see it going in the other direction. I think if we made disciples, regardless of what they look like, the church would become multi-ethnic. And I think it's vitally important that we separate our discipleship from our culture. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not possible in its entirety, yeah. mm -hmm. but that is, I think, always the goal, is to recognize that Jesus is not baptizing white culture. He's not baptizing black culture, yeah. mm -hmm. right? He has his culture, right. and it is our task to join that culture for the church yeah. to be a third space, mm -hmm. if you will, yeah. Uh, I know that's used differently in modern Safe parlance, space. But, but 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 for it to be essentially like I don't get what I want, you don't get what you want, yeah. mm -hmm. but all of us together are looking for what Jesus wants. Yeah. And so what that means is I'm probably going to hear preaching that does not line yeah. up with what I think. Yes. I'm probably going to sing songs that I may not enjoy. Right. But I'm also going to hear preaching I do like, and yeah. I'm going to sing songs I do enjoy. But the goal is not to measure success by whether or not I'm comfortable, whether or not I'm happy with what's happening, yeah. but whether or not Jesus is comfortable with it, whether or not Jesus yeah. is happy with it. And so that would mean, in answer to your question, yes, a minority person joining a majority culture church yeah. looks like Jesus would want the church to look like. A majority culture person joining a minority culture church looks like Jesus would like the church to look like. Yeah. It's going to be a both and. There's going to be movement both directions. Yeah. And this is where I would push back and say to a brother or sister who says, I'm not sure you can be white and be Christian. I would say, I'm not sure mm -hmm. that I can be anything, right, and still be Christian. Mm. I'm not here because I'm white. I'm not here because I'm black. Yeah. My perspective doesn't matter. Jesus's does. Jesus doesn't say to us, right, uh, the question is not in eternity, did you know Jesus? The question is, did Jesus know you? Yeah. And I think that that's what a lot of our discussion on this topic in the church today, yeah. not our discussion, no. we, we're, we're good, yeah. we, we got this. Sarcasm. Uh, <laughs> but I think a lot of the discussion in the church today that I hear is missing that point. Yeah. We are saying, which side, you know, which side is Jesus on? He's not. Yeah. Yeah. Are you for me or against me? Yeah. No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no. Right. So anyways, but I, as I didn't mean... I of the didn't... army of heaven, I am here. <laughs> there you go. I love it, man. It, so my goal wasn't James to James Earl Jones' voice, though. That wasn't deep enough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> One more try. Yeah. There you go. No, I didn't mean no, to derail no. us, but I just I feel <laughs> no, like that's no, worth no. saying. Yeah. yeah, it is. Especially in our context. Why is this even a goal? Why can't we just let sleeping dogs lie? Why can't we just leave this alone? Because Jesus doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, right. Jesus wants something different from his people. And, and I think when we, I mean, this is grossly off topic too, but I think when we look at like the homogenous unit principle and the ramifications of that for the last 50, 60 years, yeah. I think that has huge implications for why the church and to some degree looks the way it does today. Mm -hmm. It wasn't by design from the original text. It's what had been created. Yeah. It's almost like aspartame 
versus sugar. <laughs> That's going to be an official carcinogen soon. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah. So speaking of how it was constructed, page 99. One of the Way str- to bring us back to the book. One of the, strangest, on. Thank you. one of the strangest sections of this chapter, I think. Uh, middle of page 99. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gaither had successfully Bill? arranged for a large number of fellow Confederate Army veterans to contribute $1 each towards the building of the black church. Mm. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. For, for what reason? <laughs> um, well, um, the idea, let's see, I, I said over here too, um, he kind of extending the idea of what's going on as far as the, the way they're thinking on page 100 says, um, this was like, in short, an effort thoroughly mystified by Christian's charitable sentiment to control a black labor force and to help ensure its quiescence. So he makes the argument, and I don't know that he's right or wrong, that a large part of this was we need the black people to be good little black people, so they need a church to keep them good little black people. Hmm. That might be part of it, might not be. And they get um, away from us. Exactly. But I think that it does lean into that opening line that we talked about in the last episode of, of paternalistic ways yes. of controlling them. This is very much so that. And, and part mm-hmm. of why we see the segregation that exists in the church as well today, it's not just black people saying, I don't trust those white folks. It's not just white people saying, I don't want those black people around. There was also this paternalistic vein, too, that said, hey, as long as we pretty much do the chuck and jive they want us to do, mm-hmm. they'll give us money. Yeah, And so we'll stay over here, you stay over there, give us that check, we'll stay over here, you stay over there. And this paternalism also helped to just drive home this, this separateness that said that yeah. you're only good enough to get a check from us, but not to sit and eat with us. And, and it did. It, it probably made the former slave owners, the majority population, it probably made them feel pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Look, we're doing the thing. Look what yeah. we're doing for all these, you know, wonderful, darker-skinned individuals. Yeah. Right. You have your thing. We have our thing. Everybody's happy. Yeah. Now, right. here's a question. Let's bring it back to the 21st century. What are the things that we can do that build unity and not division? Because every dollar that they contributed mm-hmm. created division. Yeah. How can we spend our dollars towards unity, so to speak? Even if it's not dollars, but maybe yeah. it is. Well, the, I know with us personally, the thing that, that you started with us getting together and meeting, hanging out like pastors of different ethnicities and coming from different parts of the country even serving here, um, that's, that's part of it. Um, you know, Grant, I didn't do as much towards the end of the school year because I was getting used to my new position here, but I also am an advocate of being involved in the public schools because that is very much so a, a melting pot community as opposed to other spaces where all the kids from all of the county, you can find them there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a great way to impact these families. It's just to be in the public schools, like whether it's going and reading books to them or just knocking on the door and saying, hey, I brought donuts, mm-hmm. which you guys did buy a bunch of donuts for these kids. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, like, and we walked the halls acting fools. We did. <laughs> 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 but, but I mean, I think those are important things that I think sometimes pastors and spiritual leaders are so afraid of legal ramifications of being involved in public spaces mm-hmm. that they don't realize that, or the way I see it, if God is who I say he is, Shouldn't he be able to keep me safe from getting in trouble for serving him publicly? Hmm. Or allow me to be persecuted because he wants me to be for serving him publicly? But either way, shouldn't it be, let's go in these public spaces. Let's go into the highways and the byways. Let's go into all the earth. Yeah. Baptizing the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Like, and all the earth includes those messed up neighborhoods where people don't like us to be around. Right. And they may be out on the front porch drinking their 40s and smoking, and you walk by anyways and say, hi, there how you, you doing? Yeah. Make them feel awkward. Right. <laughs> the, uh, this, this is interesting to me to hear Kamar agreeing with Douglas Wilson 
Uh, <laughs> I don't know this Wilson. I don't agree with him. Who is he? <laughs> Reforming Marriage, I thought was a good book. Anyway. I, I love Douglas Wilson. I disagree with him on a lot of topics. I do too. But I love what he says. If Jesus, you know, essentially, if, if we're not willing to say Jesus is Lord yeah. of the public school, yeah. mm-hmm. are we really saying Jesus is Lord? If yeah. we're excluding his operation from any place, yeah. we are not affirming his actual lordship. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Yeah. You're picking up the rhyming game. Look at that. Yeah. Come on, Malcolm nice. X. I'm picking all right. it up. Nice. You're next, Brandon. Um. Oh, can I, have, can, I throw, can I throw out one idea, though? I just had yeah. this while you were yeah. talking about how we can bring the church. So this is just an idea, and maybe we got to spread this around the brethren to see what they think. But I just had this random, cool, I think, cool idea. What if, you know, we represent the lollipop, I don't know, I wanted to say the lollipop man, but we represent <laughs> multiple churches in this city as our group on Friday morning. Yeah. What if we had a multi-church picnic? Under a tree with a rope? Without no. the rope, <laughs> without the lynching, without the burn. I just I say that because but, because the sad because thing is think about how that has happened. Yes, that has. Yeah. But I'm saying to redeem yeah. to redeem that which has been done. Yeah. But to build unity. Mm-hmm. What if you had six churches had a massive church or seven churches had a massive church picnic that was open to the public? I am on board with this and it's very biblical. What is it that Paul is talking about when he's talking about the Lord's Supper and the problems in mm-hmm. Corinth? Mm-hmm. His thing is, those of you who are wealthy and who get who don't have to go to work and mm-hmm. therefore can get there early, yeah. you're eating before everybody shows up. The right. proof of our, your unity is when the slave and the slave master mm. are at the same table eating together. I wouldn't use that example, but yes. <laughs> well, no, exactly. But, but that's what Paul is saying. He's like, like thanks. That's what yes. Paul is Wait saying. I know, I We're know. past the Civil War now, Brandon. We got to talk about slavery anymore. <laughs> Come on, guys. I was just going to use but Acts no, you, 2. They broke right. bread and, together and, and they fellowship and, together. And I think yes. the, the first, that's, that's exactly the situation Paul is addressing. So you're in. We should bring, I'm in. We should Let's text the guys when we get done to start planning that out. We got dinner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to see each other at dinner tonight. Wouldn't that be cool? It's easy. I mean, everybody eats. We just pick a day, a Sunday afternoon or whatever, and go to Debo Park or somewhere. Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's almost easy. As Southern Baptists, we have full calendars. Hey, July 28th. July 28th. That's it's Friday. the end of our fellowships. No. We're still on here. They don't know what we're 26. talking. 26. This is probably 26. not going to be on here. No, it'll be on there. Will, but we're then. still talking. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. Never mind. Yeah. For future reference, Tune July 26th, uh-huh. and we're back. And whoever's listening to this, if this really comes to pass, you are invited. Unless it already happened, in which case you're not. Yes. I think this will air like that Monday. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that's kind of soon. But I think it's a, I think it's a cool idea. Yeah. I mean, yeah. has that ever happened? I have no idea. We'd have to ask an historian. So. Yeah. Um, it probably hadn't happened multi-ethnically. I've got one last, uh, one last extended quote on paternalism. Mm. I still think that's alive today. Well, I'm not saying it's not. We're going to get that's later in the book. Okay. Okay, we're, we're only here. I know. I'm like <laughs> panting like a dog. So, so bottom Let's of 111, um, towards the bottom it says, uh, the black people remain dependent on white people for their livelihoods represented the single most significant factor in restricting the autonomy people were seeking in their individual and communal lives. So he's talking about this idea that, that paternalism, so like before we were saying, you know, what's worse, the, the, the overt, you know, hostility or the paternalism or the indifference. And he's saying that paternalism, this is Glazier giving an opinion. I mean, I know that we say, oh, he's, he's giving an opinion. He's saying this, in his opinion, is the worst. The paternalism kept him the most back. 
Um, although emancipation affected physical freedom in the most literal sense, it did not bring to black people the degree of self-determined command over their own labor that they would have achieved had vast numbers secured ownership over their own land through compensation for a lifetime of arduous unpaid labor. So he's looking at this from a bunch of different aspects, but he's saying at the end, this paternalism mm -hmm. kept them subjugated. Right. They didn't get to where they wanted to be because of the paternalism. If, we, if, if it wasn't for that, the hostility wouldn't have stopped them. The indifference wouldn't have stopped them. No, it was the paternalism that most yeah. kept the people of Hopkinsville subdued and under control. So, so to put that in layman's terms, this is after the Civil War-ish, um, but this is the fact that white dominance still felt as if it controlled every mm -hmm. aspect of African-American post-slavery lives. Yeah the movements, what could be done, all of that, almost as if a f the father-type parental figure had to give permission for folks to do things. Yeah, yeah. And it goes on in the next paragraph, it talks about how this was embedded from a federal level because you had slaves who were saying, we want land. Mm -hmm. We want land. Mm -hmm. And you had former slave owners who came back and said, well, we should get our land back. And the federal government decided that the people who had rebelled against the government... Yeah would get land while the people who helped fight alongside the government would not would not yeah and it just reinforced even further in their mind that you are under them yeah they're the ones in charge they're the ones in control stay in place if you right. want to stay if you want to pretty much keep breathing if you want to if you want to have a life if you want to have anything right you better stay in your place so can i throw mm -hmm. out a little history factoid yeah so like around charleston um the coast of of georgia one of the things that took place after the Civil War was over is there was an order of let's try to see what we can do to help out these African-Americans that are now free um, and get back at the Southerner. Mm -hmm. And so a group of black pastors got together and they said one thing that we need that would really help us out, level the playing field, so to speak, is we need land. And mm -hmm. so the union, of course, could have taken possession of all of this land that used to be these Southern Confederate slave owners and that was the idea, and it got approved by Lincoln himself yeah. that they would get 40 acres. But then Lincoln got shot. Yeah. And then Andrew Johnson, who took over him, good old boy from Tennessee, rescinded the order and decided to give the land back to the Confederates. Yeah. So just another little history factoid that made folks not trust the government, but also reinstilling that parental, like, you can't have what we don't give you. Yeah. And, it, and I acknowledge the complication of it because you got to say, I can see you have land that may have been owned for, you know, three, four, five generations in the family. Mm -hmm. And they say, this is our land. We, we, we may have been slave owners. And yes, you could say the slaves worked the land, but we were overseeing it. We, we were the ones who laid out the loans with the bank. And the, like, I can see all these arguments from the other side saying, but they deserve something too. Um, it, it kind of goes back to the discussion we were, I was in earlier today about the affirmative action and all that. You know, you get to sometimes you get these situations where no matter what you do, somebody's going to get hurt. Right. Um, and like as a father, I know this because that happens. Sometimes both kids come to me complaining. Uh, he punched me. Well, she punched me first. Well, all right. Who's in trouble here? Yeah. And, and what do you do? And, and this is why I am so disappointed in the church. Um, not necessarily the church any of us serves in, but just the church. The big as a whole. Church. The big the church, church. The church in America. Yeah. Because this is what we were made for, yeah. is these sort of difficult, hard-to-decide situations. Yeah. Restoration. God's Holy Spirit-filled people are supposed to come in and say, aha, I have the wisdom of God. And a group of pastors did. And that's what, yes, but I promise you it was another group of 
so-called Christian men <laughs> that would disagree that that were the reason why they didn't get followed. I mean, like, let's let's be real about it. I, I can't remember where I encountered the quote, but um, it was talking about the, um, the assassination of, of of Martin Luther King Jr. Actually, um, and it was talking about how you know you need to realize that while only one man may have pulled the trigger, the whole nation put the gun in his hand. Mm. Because when you look at the sentiment that people had towards King when he was assassinated, he was not loved. He was the most hated man in America. Yeah. And same thing with Lincoln. Yeah. His assassination, it was not just one person. Yeah. When you look at the, okay, we're not going to give that land to the, the former slaves after all. Mm -hmm. That was not just a few people. That was collective Christianity yeah. in America yeah. saying, this is what we actually want. Right. We want it to just go away. We want to not talk about it. We don't want to deal with this messiness. Just do something to make it go away. But think about they started off, and we'll get into all that too. They started off with literally nothing. Yeah. I mean, we have maybe next time we'll talk about the Freedmen's Bureau and things like that. But you take a people who were completely dependent on a corrupt system, set them free from that corrupt system, and told to survive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With literally nothing, not even education. Yeah. I mean that that's that's how they started. Well, that's why next. Yeah, it's good. We'll we'll make this one a little bit shorter because I'll say that what we'll do is next time. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the three men they mentioned who mm -hmm. found a way to not just survive, but literally thrive. And they are the exceptions, not the rule. Right, but right. three men who, who really did thrive despite all of that. Um, but then also some indifference, too. Indifference on both sides. Mm -hmm. um, so before we close this out, um, Brandon, you don't talk enough. That's a problem <laughs> you have. <laughs> you, you I know. would imagine that my family would probably disagree with that statement. <laughs> you, that may be the case but 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 your wife and kids aren't here right now so that's true so is there something that you that, that stuck out to you in this or that you want to talk about in this um when it comes to the idea of hostility or paternalism or anything else as, as far as this this unique time in the history of the world not just america when slaves were set free mm -hmm. and the world's like okay what are we gonna do next well i do think that there is a a sense of it's easy to Monday morning quarterback this yeah. like with the benefit of hindsight, with the benefit of, you know, a century plus of history. Hey, we could have done better. Well, yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. But at the same time in the moment, you know, it was kind of like nobody knows what's going on. And the Freedmen's Bureau, I think is, is going to be a worthwhile topic when we come to that. The, the community there that developed around let's educate Mm -hmm. Let's take care of, let's start these unions. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff is, is like, look at them. Look at them doing things that should have been beneficial, yeah. that should have been encouraged, that ultimately ended up kind of fading. Um, and we talked a little bit about, um, I just went blank on his name, uh, the former slave owner who was, you know, hey, these it? guys worked for me. Was it Buckner? Buckner. Buckner. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, we talked about him, but there were very few of, of those. But I think that uh, that temptation to Monday morning quarterback can kind of blind us to the complexities yeah. Yeah. and blind us to what you've talked, what you talked about in the last episode of, hey, there are some really good examples that come out of this too. Yeah. Mm. You know, and it's that eat the meat, spit out the bones approach to history that I think is, is the more helpful one to yeah. not just say to, you know, whitewash it. Right. And say, oh, this was all great. This was a, an unmitigated good. Or to say, no, this was an unmitigated disaster. Yeah. Yeah. But to kind of get some detail work with the brush and, and pick it out. And, but that takes time and it takes conversation. 
Um, and so it's not necessarily in the chapter, but I just think this chapter does a great job of highlighting that as Glazier kind of wrestles with good, bad, ugly. Yeah. And, you know, earlier, uh, in, in, I think it was in the last episode, I, I had mentioned how I didn't think that the open hostility and the paternalism and the indifference were all equal. Um, you know, but I think that's a point where I'm starting to come around, where, you, where you're convincing me and saying, you know, actually, maybe it is. Yeah. Right? And, and so recognizing the complexity and then giving ourselves permission to learn and to grow and to think mm-hmm. is to me the key takeaway from this chapter. I, I, I do have a follow-up with you because you talk about, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking the history and, and everything, looking back on them. Is there anything that you see that we face right now as a church that you fear or worry about that future generations of the church would look at us the way we're looking at them? Oh, man. I'm going to have to think about that for just yeah. a second. So if you have an instance well, I, I mean, or Richard, you guys have, if you have you, you got one? Because I know you guys well. have heard mine all the yeah. time. I've I said mine I plenty of times. I'd say the same problem then would be t- indifference. Yeah. I, I think we, we've talked about, you know, why does the church look the way it does today? I think indifference. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things. I think if we really took what Jesus desired, what Jesus told us to pray for seriously, then we'd be proactive yeah. and we wouldn't be indifferent. And I think if we looked... 30 years in the future with a lack of indifference, I think we'd see a different church. Yeah. My, my big fear, and, I, and like I said, you guys have heard me talk about it, um, it's the LGBTQ question that we face right now as a church. Mm-hmm. My, my fear is that we might be found guilty of doing to them what was done in the past when the issue of slavery. Not saying that anything, I'm not saying anything about what's right or wrong in it. That's why I'm constantly trying to read and study and, and but meditate But the manner on it. in which Yeah, is that, is that, is that man... Are we going to be guilty once again of just being so quick to judge, so quick to find a solution, avoid the difficult conversations, stay out of it, not get in the middle of it? Like, is this one of those things we're saying, he's not Lord of this? Mm-hmm. Like, um, that's my fear is yeah. that we might be missing yeah. our moment as the church in that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That doesn't fare very well for the church. I know, way to depress us right. at the end, Richard. Yeah. That's usually well, my job. Well, here can I can I <laughs> then follow up? Then I guess after consideration with mine, yeah, I think it's our relationship with the internet. Ooh, yeah, that is definitely yours. Yes, it I is. agree. I think that's yes. mine. Yeah, I, I do. I, I think that if I'm looking at it, I think it is our unquestioning adoption of social media, of consumptive forms of engagement yeah. that are wrecking discipleship mm. in the church. I love that you're saying that on a podcast and YouTube video. I was thinking this. I know. Thing. <laughs> I, I recognize you the inherent... stop listening to this right now. <laughs> I recognize the inherent contradiction in those terms. Yeah. Um, but, I, I'm, but I'm not advocating for a rejection of those technologies. Yeah. I know. I just, like, you know, we mess yeah. with each other. Yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> but, but I do think that that is one of those things that history will look back at the church and say, where were you? Yeah when the world decided to substitute mm. digital presence for actual presence, mm. yeah. and why did you not stand up and say, no, we need each other in person? Yeah. yeah, And I would say that's something that I would encourage anybody who's listening or watching who claims Christ as Lord and Savior to do. Um, this idea of, you know, work out your own faith mm-hmm. <laughs> with trembling. Like, to, right. that's part of that. Act, is just saying, okay, God, is there a place where I am blind to what I need to be doing? And I think that when we look at the history of this, of race relations here in Hopkinsville, in this country, of slavery, a large part of it is that people who, stood, who didn't ask that question of saying, am I missing something? Right. They just assumed, I must have the inerrant word of God perfect in my life. Yeah, Instead that of, temptation to mm-hmm. substitute my interpretation of God's word for God's word itself. Yeah. 
instead of submitting my interpretation to the word. Yeah. Continually. Exactly. Exactly. The church reformed, always reforming. Yep. Yep. He's really getting you to call yourself a Baptist. You don't. He's. He's. You're walking into these every single time. Oh, that's that's Lutheran. I know, but also, <laughs> it's, it's it's speaking to George. No. No. Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna close out in prayer this time, guys. All right. <laughs> All right. God, thank you that I have these friends that I can sit and spend time just sometimes being foolish, but also being serious with. Um, and God, I, I thank you that you've given us this chance to to walk through and wrestle with some of these complex ideas. I'm also thankful that, that hopefully people can see we don't have to all see things the same way to see that Christ is the answer. Uh, we can look at a problem and see it a million different ways as long as we recognize that the Christ is the way forward in that problem. God, I pray that you will be glorified in, in this project that we are taking on, that you'll be glorified here in Hopkinsville, that you will pour out your spirit in this place, bringing about reconciliation and healing and unity in a way that people have not seen before, that they will look at Hoptown and they will say, that's what it's all about. That's what Christ is really trying to do. We want more of that. God, please use us for your glory. Bless our families too as, as we spend this time doing this because we know that, that our wives and kids, they take on a lot of mess from the things we take on. So please bless them as well as we try and just do your work well. Please bless your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. That's it. See you guys next time. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast are the speaker's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of any institution, organization, or corporation. The material and information presented here are for general information purposes only. All persons who participated did so of their own free will and speak for themselves only, regardless of any personal affiliations they may possess. Been Pastoring Through Some Hard Times is a production of Salt Light Love Ministries, all rights reserved.